Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Craig F. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, today's date is, I forgot to note it, um, today's date is Monday, October 26, 2020, and uh, we're reading from the big book. And uh, we're going to be reading from uh, uh, page 13, the first paragraph that starts at the hospital. Um, today's readers are Nancy P., uh, Maria F., and Elizabeth D. Uh, for the steps is Margie, and the traditions is going to be. Uh, S-W. Um, okay. Um, the reference numbers for yesterday, um, October 25th, is 15,622, 15622, and uh, today hasn't been determined yet. Um, Okay, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees. Remember, we're self-supporting through our own contributions. neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, or ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask... Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Marge. Marge, we don't hear you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. I got automatically muted. I'm very sorry. Again, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you for your service, Craig, and I pass. Thank you. All right, I'm now going to ask um, Beth W. to read the 12 traditions. Beth? Good morning, Craig. I'm going to assume you can hear me. The 12 traditions yeah. is Beth W. from North Dakota. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. <clears throat> Excuse me. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Excuse me. Um, Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service this month, and I will pass. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly related to what was read. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book uh, on page, uh, uh, on page 13, the first paragraph that starts at the hospital. I'm now going to ask our first reader, Nancy P., to start reading. Nancy? Hi, good morning, Craig. Um, Good morning, everybody. Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. Let me just uh, set my timer here. Okay, Um, so this paragraph to me, I'm not talking about Bill's life, I'm talking about my life, and this paragraph is sort of, I went from desperation to willingness. You know, I was howling with fear and pain and rage that one day when I called my dear, dear friend that I've known for 40 years. Um, crying again that I couldn't stop eating. Um, you know, my I had I was in my car. I had just eaten a dozen donuts, 
waiting for my daughter who was engaging in self-harm, cutting and burning herself, and I was sobbing. And it, my whole life was there in front of me, just like that, every day, like the last one. And I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. And so, you know, that's what you need. You know, um, my good friend once said on a Sunday special, willingness is overrated, desperation is what you need, and that's what I needed. And um, so I'm there, and, and at this point, you know, I was sort of, I stopped and I was then willing. Um, I had surrendered, and I was then willing. And um, you know, I felt like it, I felt like a um, you know like a a wounded animal that was being led to a, a comforting place where they would be taken care of. Um, you know, I, I that day that I called, which was somewhere before December first, but after Thanksgiving. Um, I stopped and and I dialed into a vision for you on December 1st, 2017, and I have not had to hurt myself with food since that day. But, um, you know, I was, the treatment seemed wise. The treatment that I was going to go through finally was palatable to me. I mean, I've been an Overeaters Anonymous since 1971, and I never had, I don't like to use the word success, but I never had a moment's relief from the mental obsession, whether I was in the food or not in the food. I mean, if I was not eating, actively eating, chewing, my head was, you know, was there. We all know about that. And, um, and, and um, finally, I was ready to just, you know, STFU, like my sponsor said, and do what I was told. And I did it one thing at a time, not even one step at a time. I just walked through being led on a, on a, with a gentle, you know, tug, please come this way, please come this way, dip your toe in, try it, it's not so bad. And I got to tell you that, um, you know, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't, I, I wasn't halted by the specter of the fourth step. Everybody treats it like it's a baby that has to be birthed. And I did not find it to be that way once I was surrendered and once I was willing. I did the work and it was, you know, it was unlike any other fourth step I had ever done. I had been through the big book step study process and it didn't take and I ate for 13 more years. And that fourth step, I'll wrap up, that fourth step was um, was five, uh, 550 pages, you know, and I just, this one, when I went through Envision was six pages, three pages, six, um, I'm sorry, six pages, 18 resentments. Um, and I got through it all and, and I recovered and um, and I highly recommend it. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you very much, Nancy. Um, all right, we're going to um, begin to take names here in just a second um, and uh, find out who wants to share on this paragraph. We remind you that uh, we have a lot of people on the line, and uh, in order to give everybody a chance to share, we ask you that you that you sh uh, keep yourself to sharing every third day so that means if you shared on Friday or, or Thursday last week I ask you to, to hold back and let somebody else have a chance this morning so who would like to share on this short but powerful paragraph Elizabeth D Larry K Amy Sharon D Sasa O alright there were a couple people right there after Larry that I didn't get that went at the same time Sharon B. Vasa O. I got you, Vasa. Karen. Oh, thank B. you. Karen B. Oh, and right. somebody else. No, Sharon. Oh, Sharon. Yes. Barbara, right. Barbara, did you go earlier, or yeah? I mean, did you already say your name once? Yeah, I probably did. Okay. I just don't want to miss anybody. All right. Um, who else? All right. So now we have Nancy, Elizabeth, Larry, Sharon, Vasa, and Barbara. Is there anybody else before I close it up and we start going? Shall All right, we well, let's get Sally. 
Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Shelly, thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get this going. Elizabeth, uh, D, you're up. Would you like to start going, please? Yes, Craig, can I be heard? Yes, I can hear you fine. Thank you. Uh, my name is Elizabeth D. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater living in uh, the Boston area. I'm grateful for your service. Thank you. Um, this is a little paragraph that means a great deal to me personally um, for, on so many levels. Um, a very wise recovered friend of mine who does a lot of sponsoring or uh, guiding people through the steps, uh, you I used the expression hospitalization at one point for how she works with people in the beginning. Um, and hospitalization from compulsive overeaters getting abstinent. Um, and um, I really resonated with that because it, it, it and, and what she was talking about is if you look back in the doctor's opinion, there are two places where it says, um, of course, the there's one place where it says, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite, definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. And then another place where it says, more often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. Um, and uh, so there's, there are places in the doctor's opinion where hospitalization is, is suggested. Um, for me, what my friend meant was, um, you know, there, and there, there are in fact people who do need, need to be, and are hospital, hospitalized for eating disorders, but there's also a figurative sense for that word. Um, for me, hospitalization meant that when I was getting abstinent, the, la the most recent time, um, and there's, an, there's another binge out there for me anytime I want it. I can never say it was my last binge. Um, I am completely powerless over this disease, and uh, one aspect of the powerlessness is that I don't know uh, when uh, when I will go out there again and start eating. But the the most current, the most recent time that I got abstinent, I had to put myself in a figurative hospital. In other words, I had to put myself away. My daughter and I went somewhere uh, for a vacation between Christmas and New Year's in 2016 um, and I had to let other people take care of my daughter and I had to stay in bed for three days and that was the only way that I was going to get abstinent and stay abstinent at that time. I had put on 60 pounds in three, three months before and my ha talk about jittery and befogged, the, the sugar was coursing through me and I had to get clear of it. And I needed to put myself, quote, in the, quote, unquote, in the hospital. That's what I did. And what I focused on during that time was making sure that I went back to the food plan that worked. I cleaned it up and made it entirely abstinent. And I spent my time for as long as it took to get, get through the detox period. And that's what the hospitalization meant. It also meant that I needed to be in touch with other compulsive overeaters who have recovered um, and, and talk to them about what I was going through. And instead of picking up food, pick up the phone and talk to others and make every thought, every thought captive to my higher power. That was my experience of hospitalization. Thanks. And that treatment was wise. Um, and I am glad that I did, um, and today I am recovered um, from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and I am grateful that I, um, that I took that action um, with God's help, and I'll pass. All right. Thank you for your share. Next up, we have Larry Kay, going to be followed by Sharon B. Larry? Hey, Craig. Uh, thanks for your steady uh, service. Uh, much appreciated. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know what, when I look at Bill's story, what we're reading here, I'm reminded that he's, he's reflecting back at this point in his narrative, you know, and he says, of course, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. You know, his sobriety date, uh, I believe was December 1934. And we know the big book was published in, in, in April of 1939. 
So he was writing this maybe 38, sometime in 39. I, I don't know exactly when he was writing this. But when he writes this account that he was separated from alcohol for the last time, so he, he had, what, roughly four years of abstinence, something like that, right? And, and there are people on this line this morning with five years and 10 years and 20 years of abstinence, maybe more. And, and, and that, that would be very hesitant to say that they've been separated from their alcoholic foods for the last time, right? I mean, he didn't write this just before his death. So why is that? Why are we, you know, uh, well, well I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because in their heart of hearts, they don't truly uh, feel the obsession has been eradicated. You know, so for them to suggest otherwise would feel, you know, phony, would feel. And, and perhaps it's because we're afraid to suggest that God has actually performed a miracle in our lives by completely, you know, removing the obsession to eat. I, I'm not sure. But I wonder if it's, you know, kind of the superstitious nature of human beings fueled by an abundance of fear that's afraid to give God credit, that somehow by doing so is going to jinx us. That's, that's the superstition. You know, it's going to jinx our sobriety. <laughs> See, I believe that Bill was, had tremendous courage. He was courageous enough to, to give voice to his faith and what God had accomplished on his behalf. And again, Bill said emphatically, he said unequivocally that, and he said it with conviction, that he was separated from alcohol for the last time. I mean, how could he know that in 38 or 39 when he first wrote it? Only a person in my mind filled with God-inspired spiritual confidence could make such a claim. See, I believe the steps are intended to produce so much more within us than simply sobriety. There's faith and humility and gratitude and, and yes, spiritual conviction and compassion and a desire for service uh, for others. Everything in life starts out with the tiniest of seeds. When we sow a seed, we put it in the hands of our higher power and certainly taking action, right? And we watch how God graciously sends the miracle that we need. Here's the cool thing, wrapping up, Craig. No matter how small our faith seems to be, and sometimes mine seems small, your higher power will meet your needs, will solve these problems. We just, you know, with Bill, Roseanne, any of us, when, when their belief intersects with action, then mountains begin to move, right? And that's what he sees here, and, and I'm grateful for that. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Next up, we have Sharon B., and she'll be followed by Vasa O. and then Barbara E. Sharon? Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, just fine. My name is Sharon. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. What an amazing share we just heard. Wow. This is not at all what I was going to share. I plan God laughs. Um, really have to take a look at my level of trust to my higher power. Thank you so much for um, talking about Bill's experience, strength, and hope. Um, amazing. What, what I love about this paragraph is that it reminds me that the big book is replete with point counterpoint with I did this, therefore that. There's always a balance. It reminds me of what happened to me three years ago where I too came out of a hospital that I was, they actually admitted me into the hospital before I got there, because they already knew that my case was catastrophic. I was already admitted. The doctor was already assigned to my case. It wasn't until I came out of the hospital and I stood at the, at the curbside waiting for my sister to pick me up and take me home. Was I standing there? in agony, 
in spiritual agony. I've been in Overeaters Anonymous for decades. And when I came out of that hospital, I had truly hit a bottom that was life-changing. Willingness was not enough. Desperation is what I needed. I got that desperation the second I came out of that hospital. That was my moment of truth. And everything with a capital E changed that day, that moment. It took me 20 years to get through the big book to 164. And then the moment that it took me 20 years to actually pick it up and read, it took me three days. It took me three days to get to 164. That was it. Everything shifted. So grateful to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, next up we have Vasa O. Followed by Barbara E. Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Greg, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I, I just realized when you announced the date today, it's October 26th, and I came to my first meeting on October 25th, 1986. I don't even count days or years any longer, but I know at the beginning I counted hour at a time when I became abstinent, one day at a time. I could never believe when somebody said they were one week abstinent or even two weeks. To me, that was just, I couldn't even imagine for myself because by the time I came to OA, I couldn't even put one day together. I couldn't even put one meal at a time, you know. And yes, I did have the gift of desperation, and um, and I'm so grateful. When I heard that, when people said they had the gift of desperation, and I'm saying, how could that be a gift when you know I was suggested to give up my toxic, my alcoholic foods how could I live without them I you know I was so addicted I didn't know anything about addictions I didn't know anything about eating disorders I had no clue you know I have learned it all here Um, I was never hospitalized but this is my treatment coming to Overeaters Anonymous and throwing myself into the big book the 12 steps meetings I did get abstinence right from the first night. It, you know, I, did, I was ready to surrender, step one, two, and three. I, I was ready to surrender to a power greater than myself because I couldn't do it by myself, and I was willing and ready. I didn't want to die. I was killing myself without, with the food. And please time me if it's my time. And I just threw myself and I was going through the withdrawals, you know, from the sugars, experiencing, you know, the crawlies and everything else, you know. And but no matter what, I always kept on praying and asking God to please give me the strength, give me the power to get from one meal to the next. And I could. I wasn't easy, but I could. And that power, that was the biggest thing for me. It was when I surrendered to God on my knees, and I felt that power go through my head, from my head to my heart. It was like plugging the eye in the socket. I felt it. I felt it. It was it was like the beginning of my new life with a higher power and program. And no matter what, I just kept on using the tools. I wanted to read so many times, but I'd pick up the phone. I'd do the writing. I did pray, a lot of prayer. And that's what my sponsor said, you know, don't run to the food. Use your tools. Go read step one. 
you know. Do we want to go back to the food? No, I didn't want to go back to the food because I didn't want to die. And it's by the grace of God. God, you know, my higher power takes the credit. And the people in the programs, the fellowship, the steps, the tools, 35 years. I never thought and I ever imagined I would be here still doing what I'm doing. But it works if we work it. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Rasa. All right, next up we have Barbara E. followed by uh, Shelly B., and then we're going to take some more names. Barbara? Good morning, everyone. It is Barbara E. in New Jersey. I'm so grateful uh, to be back talking just for a little bit on this meeting today. Um, I've missed you all very, very much. Well, for me, this, even though it's it just a few words in this paragraph, they're significant because I've come in the two over two decades that I've been in OA to realize that for me, God is not a religion. It's a relationship. And that's what I had to form, a relationship in order to get abstinent, free of the food, and have a working relationship with people, family, colleagues, the rest of the world, to be kind rather than snippy, to be accepting rather than uh, being opinionated. And I know someone said to me once uh, a number of years ago, Barbara, if everything is going well today and you're happy, you had a good day. If, if everything is going wrong today and you're still happy, you're having a great day. And that's what I want for all of us, to have a great day, to follow this book in good orderly direction that comes out to God, if you wish or not wish. But for me, I had to keep saying to myself over and over again, don't give up what you want most for what you want in the moment. Because I was a very impulsive, compulsive overeater. And I was never full. My apostat was broken. I could eat and eat and eat. And um, I can't do that. I don't have another diet left in me. I've done all those things. I've taken all the geographical tours that Bill took. They may not have been Weight Watchers for him, but they may have been going out on a motorcycle with Lois. But I've done all those things, and I'm tired of it. So I just have to accept that I am not God. My sponsor, though I love her very much, is not God. But I know that the fellowship and the steps and the traditions and the principles, which are, of course, the steps, will keep me abstinent from one day to another. And that's all I ask because in this uncertain world we live in, I don't know what's going to happen. I just have to trust God, clean house, and make sure that I chop and weigh and measure my food. And be kind. Reach out to another person. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay. Um, next up, we're going to have, excuse me, I had to move something. Uh, Shelly B. Shelly, you're up. Hi, this is Shelly, and I'm from Pennsylvania. Um, I couldn't have a better paragraph for us to read this morning. Um, I, my first meeting was 17 days ago, um, Saturday, October 10th, and I have not been since that day. Um, but I completely relate to the idea of tremors, tremens, um, because that first weekend, um, for me, it was the ritual of binging. The planning of it was just as soothing and just as, just as much part, as part, of, part of my compulsive overeating. And it was really, really hard that first weekend. Um, and since then, I've, I've gone to a number of meetings, but I've been hanging on by my fingernails. And I realized that, like checking into the hospital, which provides you a higher level of care, I need to do that. And so, you know, today is the day where I woke up and I said it was recommended. This was an amazing group and that I just need to do a 90 and 90, that higher level of care, that, 
that real constant support. And, you know, the, the fact, the fact that I, this was the paragraph that we read today is to me that higher level, level of care, that, that message from my higher power, that I'm exactly where I need to be. And hearing all of you tell your stories, I'm at the beginning of mine, gives me that hope that I need as I kind of check myself into the hospital today. And so I just want to thank all of you and Craig for your service and all of you for your shares. And, um, and that's it for me, Pat. Sorry, that uh, took me by surprise. Um, all right. Thanks, Shelley. Next, we're going to take uh, more names. Again, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days and you'd like to share on this paragraph, um, please uh, give me your name. Diane Smith. Jen A. Beth W. Amy G. Amy G. Okay, Amy. Just a... I have Diane B, Jen A, and then there were several people and I didn't write fast enough. Lauren Beth W. W. Lauren and Beth W. Yes. Right? Thank you, Craig. Uh-huh. Yes. Thanks. Right. And then there was one other name before Amy, I think. Maria S. Leah S. Maria All right, I have S. Diane. Oh, Maria S. Ron G. All right. I'm going to stop there. I have Diane B., Jen A., Lauren B., uh, Beth W., Amy, and Maria S., and Ron G. Let's go, Diane. Hi, Craig. <clears throat> Thank you. It's actually Diane C. is in cat. Um, okay. Hi, everyone. Um, <clears throat> this is Diane C. from the Baltimore area, and I am gratefully recovered. And I am just um, have been so blessed by the shares this morning and by the words of Bill when he shares about um, his realization that um, this process was happening in him. It sounds like he almost can't even explain it. The fact that he was separated from alcohol. He doesn't say, I stopped drinking or I put the alcohol down, as we say, I put the food down. He was separated. It was done to him. And I really appreciate that because it's not of his own effort. I've made so many attempts in my own effort. And I have been able to put the food down. I've been able to get abstinent a thousand times, but I can never stay abstinent. And I came into vision um, on April 1st, started working with my sponsor, and I have been abstinent since a little bit after that. Had a little bit of a flub early on, but um, going on six months of abstinence, that is crazy. And I had so many ways to get abstinent. And um, I did my pay and way programs. And, and then once I got to where I thought I was okay and didn't need the program anymore, and God really wasn't even part of it, that really I didn't need my willpower anymore or I could, I could pull back, um, I just went back up the scale. And it was demoralizing. And so um, I don't know. If, I just wanted to share that if anyone can relate to that because there are, I think, some who sort of had this cyclical abstinence and then failure and I think with each failure I was getting deeper and deeper into my disease and so when I finally came into the rooms of OA um, not in vision but um, it, in a face-to-face pro, um, meeting uh, about a year and a half ago and I heard people share I you know initially I thought do I really need this uh, you know I'm not really sure I'm in the right place but I'm going to give it a try and when I heard people share in that first meeting I said, oh, my gosh, I'm home. I found my people. And even though our journeys may look a little different, really what's going on inside is so similar. There is this common, this kernel, and it is the, the powerlessness. And so now I know that in, in accepting that I am powerless, I'm powerless over this cycle that keeps getting worse and worse and worse in my illness, that I do have an answer. 
And even though I had faith and I, I did pray, God, please let me, you know, get back on the wagon. I'm off the wagon now. Please let me get back on the wagon. It wasn't enough. I needed the program of action and I need this fellowship. And I, I know that now I do completely identify in and I am, am able to live in not only in abstinence but in recovery. And I'm, that cycle has been broken. And I know that I can get back on that treadmill, that hamster wheel at any moment, but by showing up each morning, by showing up in prayer and meditation, by showing up on this line, and by being part of the fellowship, not using it just for my diet to get abstinent, but really being part of it where I'm, I've been welcomed and I'm able to welcome others, that's where the answer lies. And, um, and so hopefully I can show up like Evie uh-huh. did, fresh-skinned, thank you, fresh-skinned and glowing and inexplic- inexplicably different, and that's how I can carry the message. Thanks, Craig, and I pass. All right, thank you. Next up we have Jen A. followed by uh, Lauren N. Jen? Hey, good morning, Craig. Thanks so much for taking the meeting this morning. My name is Jen A. And um, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater today. Thank you, God, for your grace and mercy on a girl like me. Wow. Um, I'll try and hold back a little bit of the emotion this morning, but Bill's story, boy, do I identify in with Bill today? Absolutely right where he's at. And um, I can remember in Jen's story, right, um, where I was separated um, from that food for the last time. And, um, you know, um, God comes to some people slow, some people quick. (laughs) For me, um, it was six convenience stores in my car, one after another, just binging my brains out. Um, The bags, the boxes, the wrappers were on the front seat, the passenger seat of my car. And it was that final spot. You know, it wasn't a cathedral that burst upon me, but I'll tell you, it was a back alleyway. Um, And that back alleyway was dark. Um, You know, that's where we find um, solace. At least I did. It was in those dark alleyways, those dark rooms, those dark nights. And um, I will tell you that the light that shone down through that windshield, the front windshield of my car was the grace of God that came into me. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as, I, as much as I wanted to stop, I couldn't. Um, but when I finally was um, done, desperate, doomed, um, you know, and um, the doorway was open in my car and the vomit was outside one side and the toothbrush was in my hand because I want to make sure I got every, every little piece out. Every calorie could not be digested. No, not for a girl like me. I would not, I would not do it. And, um, you know, um, that was the last time. How do I know that was the last time? Because I still feel it today. Thank you, God, for that last time experience. Um, And then I remember walking into the hospital the next morning at 6.30 because I picked up the phone that night after I ate. You know, people always say, pick up the phone before you eat. That's never been my experience, and I've never had a phone call like that. Um, So I picked up the phone, and I called that person and whom I heard in that face-to-face meeting that the problems had been solved and they were neutral with food. And I went to a meeting the next morning. That was my hospital. And I, wo- I walked in there, and I was angry, and I was upset, and I was shaking, and I was pissed off that I had to be at a meeting. That meeting saved my life for 120 days. That group of drunks saved my life. That meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, those people put their arms around me. They read the big book with me, the 12 by 12 with me. Um, I read that, that set-aside prayer. Um, I read the third-step prayer, the seventh-step prayer. Um, that's where I found God, um, in that group of people with their hands stretched out to me. Um, and what, that's what I'm hearing everybody else found today, too. I love the shares today, right? That, that, this is our hospital, Overeaters Anonymous. So I'm so great for that, grateful for that. Um, you know, and that's where I could, I could say, I can't do this anymore. I need something bigger than myself to come in and do it. And then I finally let God. I let God in that room of Alcoholics Anonymous come into my life, and I prayed that prayer, and I'll never forget it. It was so uncomfortable. But that uncomfortable ability today is what brings me peace and joy and love and compassion and just just life. So I'm so grateful that I, too, can identify in with Bill. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen. 
Okay, uh, next up we have Lauren N, and she's going to be followed by Beth W. Lauren? Good morning, Craig. Lauren N. Good morning, visionaries. I am grateful to be here every day. Lauren N, compulsive overeater, sugar addict from New York. I can't, um, I, I absolutely can remember that day so many years ago, thank God, that I was taking pictures of a couple that were engaged and not pictures of them, but pictures of the cake that was in between them. Or when I looked at the pictures the next day, it was like, I wasn't taking pictures of them. I was taking pictures of the cake that was calling me. I was white knuckle abstinence, abstinent. I could not do anything but think about how much I wanted that cake because I thought I was sugar free. I had been in these rooms many times before and never heard anything about entire abstinence. And thank God I had been listening to this meeting for probably nine months to a year before then and heard the message that was being, was being um, given by you all back in 2016 and since then I have not picked up my primary substance which is sugar and I cannot explain this because I am 61 years old and other than this past five-year period or almost five-year period I can never remember ever not craving sugar or, for that matter, all the other goodies that I used to have, fried food, salt, butter, etc. It's amazing to me, thank you, God, that, I, that you have taught me how to look for my higher power so that I could be separated from all my binge foods and I could be down this path and know this freedom that I never, ever could have seen before. 150 pounds down, happily, never looking back. And thank God... I don't have to go through that withdrawal ever again. Thank you all for being there, and with that, I pass. All right, Lauren, thank you so much. Beth W., you're up next. Hi, good morning, Craig. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say followed by Amy so she can get ready. Go ahead. Thanks, Craig. Um, My name is Beth W. I'm a struggling compulsive overeater from Bismarck, North Dakota. And um, wow, I I just want to go back one sentence to the previous paragraph, how blind I had been. And then at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol. Treatment seemed wise. Um, I think that for me, um, I do need to spend some time just taking care of myself in treatment. Um, that's the beauty of, of hospitalization is, is you get cared for. Uh, people help you and um, they give you lots of water to drink and you get to rest a lot. And um, people are kind. And, you know, if I would um, do those things for myself, um, I think today would be a pretty darn good day. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had some long stretches of abstinence and then I've had some long stretches of, of not being in abstinence. I wasn't going to call in this morning, but I remembered I was scheduled to read the tr- uh, traditions. And I'm so grateful that I had that commitment to help me show up. Um, I just really want this 
um, and and I and I need it, and I and I I'm doing it, but it truly is a tricky um, disease, and it's between my ears more than anywhere else. So treatment seems wise, and uh, and I'm gonna care for myself today as if I was uh, caring for somebody I loved. Thanks, and I'll pass. Okay, uh, thank you, Beth. Next up we have Amy, and she'll be followed by Maria S. Amy? Uh, good morning, Craig. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Uh, thank you so much for moderating such an awesome meeting. I'm not really going to say anything new here, but what everyone is reinforcing to me today is this idea of being separated from alcohol. Remember, or I need to remember, it's a twofold nature of this disease, a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And the big book reinforces in the doc op a couple of times. It talks about entire abstinence. It talks about um, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who is jittery or fogged. You know, we need to be defogged of our, I need to be defogged of my allergic substances. It's reinforcing to me today what everyone has been sharing is that the food needs to be put down, step zero first. I need to be not indulging in my allergic substances. I don't eat my way through the steps. And nowhere in the big books does it say anybody was drinking in their way of working through their steps. I absolutely positively need to have a food plan, an abstinence, a line in the sand that I am refraining from my allergic substances. Otherwise, I am in my allergy and I am absolutely positively powerless to stop putting those allergic substances into my body. I mean, yes, the mental obsession drives me there and the physical allergy keeps me there. But the reality is, is I have to be cleared in my system physically from those allergic substances in order for me to have a brain clear enough to be able to work these steps and surrender to a power greater than myself. Because if I'm in the food, that's the power greater than myself. To me, it's like saying I'm working the steps and while I'm eating. It's like saying I'm a little bit pregnant. I mean, the reality is, is I need to be separated from my binge foods, whatever those are, and I need to know what my food plan and my line in the is. You know, in AA, they put the plug in the jug. In OA, I need to know what jug to put the plug in. And that means what, you know, that means what is my abstinence? Is abstinence everything? Of course not. I can be stark raving abstinence and have been that at certain times in my program. But the reality is now I understand abstinence for what it is. It is the start. It is the prerequisite. It is the essential tool for me to begin and embark upon the process of surrendering to a higher power and working these 12 steps. And that's the only way I understand these instructions to be. This is the only way I've seen this program work. And everyone who shared has reinforced that today. And I thank you because I need to remember that. You know, I don't eat and work the steps. I put the food down, and then by God's grace, I work these steps. I find that higher power. And this, to me, is where the tools are very, very essential. I mean, yes, I, can, I, I need the tools in order to work the steps. They, what they say, the handrails as you walk up the steps. Because, you know, when I put the food down, I wasn't recovered in my mind. I needed to use everyone. I needed you all. I needed the phone. I needed to be able to talk to people. I needed help. And that's what I did. I used the tools of the program until my mind and my brain started to clear and I was abstinent and had withdrawn from those allergic substances. I could relate to what someone was saying earlier about having so much sugar that their hands shook in their body. And I understood that. That to me is a physical manifestation of these allergies. And I had to be abstinent from those in order to start having a clear enough brain, even though I had that mental twist, a clear enough brain to even begin and embark on this journey. You know, it may not be, it may not be the easier, softer way, but it's the only way that I know how to stay, to get abstinent and stay abstinent through these 12 steps. That's the only way I can access that higher power, but it begins with abstinence. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you. Next up, we have uh, Maria S., and we're getting tight on time. We only have about a minute and a half, so we're not going to get to Ron this hour. Uh, so Thanks, thanks, Craig, and if you just tell me, that would be great, and thanks a million for your service, and wow, what a powerful, powerful meeting. Um, yeah, I'm 6,000 miles away. I'm Maria F., recovered compulsive overeater from Dublin in Ireland, and um, yet I feel I'm in all your rooms, you know. I'm just nodding here just with all the shares. 
Um, and it says, you know, treatment seemed wise for me, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. And yeah, treatment seemed wise for me. And I, my first phone call to OA was at 19, and it took 27 years before I put my bum in a seat in a room um, and tried many different treatments, you know, lots of different treatments. And my last one was um, where it was a treatment centre, and, um, and I attended that for five years. And my experience just for me was that I did, you know, what, what Bill did in the um, Belladonna treatment and the hydrotherapy I did with all, with all different methods in that. And my disease progressed and got worse. That was my experience. Um, and yeah, you know, he talks about, you know, I separated from alcohol for the last time. And yeah, it just, oh God, it was so emotional for me reading this too, because it brought me back to the last binge. And there's certain things that stand out in, in my life, certain events, and maybe five or six, you know, when my children were born, when I got married. But my last binge is up there with them because I can remember it clearly. Um, and the pain of it, that's what I remember, the suffering of it. You know, I had eaten for the entire day. And um, when I look at page 52, I can see exactly where I was. I was in those bedevilments and it was coming out my behavior and how I was to other people. And, um, you know, I didn't know it was my last binge. I didn't know that because I'd had hundreds of last binges. You know, every binge was my last binge and tomorrow was going to be different. Um, and, you know, for me, it was when I came into the rooms of OA and, um, and I saw recovery. And it was what you told me when you said, you know, when you spoke about a physical allergy and a mental obsession, I had never heard that before. I had never heard a physical allergy. And it made sense. You know, it made sense that um, I had an allergy to the food that I was eating and to the ingredients within that food. Um, and something changed when I put down the food, you know, and I had a relationship with a higher power, but it was a conditional relationship. It was, you know, you do this and I'll do that, you know, so... Um, yeah, it was it was all self will, self will run riot, you know, and um, and yeah, and and Bill goes on in the next paragraph not to ruin it where he says, you know, I've not had a drink since, but he took a lot of actions before that happened, and for me today it's taking the action, you know, taking the action every single day. I don't get a day off because it's my birthday or because it's Christmas Day, you know, turning up to God every day because I don't want to go back to that day that I remember, you know, I don't want to go back there. And um, and I have neutrality around here right. today. You know, thank you. Thank you, Craig. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Maria. Um, okay. The uh, Thank you to everyone who shared today. Um, and thank you to the Team Monday. Uh, this is the last Monday in uh, October, so I uh, appreciate everybody there. We're faithful and and diligent this month and uh, here. So, um, uh, the share ID for the meeting is just concluding. Today's date is 15626. Uh, today's date uh, is, uh, I lost it. Anyway, um, our, um, we're now closed with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, will uh, uh, Maria F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Marie? Marie, if you're not available, I'm going to ask Elizabeth D. if she can pull it up and read it. Elizabeth, are you sorry, still Craig? On? I was talking away to myself. I am sorry. I was on mute. Thanks, Craig. My name is right. Maria F. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Dublin in Ireland. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and give freely of what you find in joining us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.